Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. All right, welcome to this month's edition of ITAM Antics. We're in September already. So, reminder to everyone, this is our monthly podcast where we discuss the biggest ITAM stories um, that we've covered over the last you know, month month or so. Um after the quiet period of August, things have really ramped up. We've had loads of stories this month. So we're going to go through one, two, it's six stories now, because we're literally going to throw in a last minute one, which Rich saw nine minutes ago. Um, uh, Cisco have acquired Splunk. So we'll kick off with that one. Then we'll go into the, sto- the rest of the stories, which will be uh, firstly, a report from SMP that stated that, that they now put, they now will consider ITAM within their credit ratings. Very interesting story. Um, SAP bought um, enterprise architecture firm Lean IX. Then we'll move on to uh, SaaS management platform Josis raises 93 million in um, round B funding. Then Birmingham City Council has had a pretty bad month, um, basically declaring bankruptcy. And we look into another story related to that, which is their disastrous Oracle rollout. Um, and look at whether that's got any links to the bankruptcy or not. Um, and then we'll look at an announcement that came out just recently from Tori, um, announcing some AI capabilities to their platform. Um, as always, I'd like to start off with just to kind of recap some of the events coming up. So a bit of housekeeping. Um, firstly, um, by the time this goes live, this will be days away. Wisdom Unplugged 2023 taking place on the 27th of September at the London Transport Museum. This is a free event to attend for ITAM professionals. Um, and it was, we did it for the first time last year, it went really well, so we're bringing it back. Um, so come along, enjoy a great range of presentations, workshops and interactive sessions, all delivered by industry experts from the ITAM Review and also our sponsor, Flexera. And then looking a little bit further in the future, we've got Wisdom APAC 2023 coming up. That's confirmed on Wednesday the 15th and Thursday the 16th of November in Melbourne, I believe. Um, flagship two-day event. Um, it's it's going to look at convergence of ITAM and FinOps, bring your own licensing, licensing in the public cloud, SaaS governance, sustainability, all the all the good stuff. So if you want to sign up to those, visit itassetmanagement.net. You know where to go. Um, in my haste, I realised I forgot to introduce our two analysts on the call. So quick shout out to Rich. Hello, Rich. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, having us, George. Fantastic. And AJ, you're here. Hi, everyone. Hi. Fantastic. Cool. Well, let's kick off. So before we get straight into the stories, um, Rich probably has no idea what, what the time is, uh, what the day is, or uh, anything regards to the times, because you've been, um, you've been traveling a fair bit over the last couple of weeks. Do you want to just fill in what you've what you've been up to and what's been going on yeah yeah i've been been backwards and forwards a bit my most recent uh trip over the atlantic was to host our itam and finops how to win big conference in vegas which was i'm pretty confident in saying the world's first dedicated in-person itam and finops conference 
Um, feel free to challenge me on that, but I think I'm right. Um, so yes, I was over there. Um, had a great time. We had some wonderful attendees. Great sessions from uh, Snow, Flexera, USU, Angle Point, and ReadyWorks. Uh, really great conversations. Really dug into you know what is ITAM, what is FinOps, how do they match up, how do we work together. Um, really, really energetic. Um, and I think yeah, it's given us a lot to think about. So I think though you know that will definitely reappear again in twenty twenty four. Um, it was a real yeah really successful event. Um, and then as you mentioned, unplugged next week in London at the Transport Museum. That's also ITAM and FinOps. So I think I'm confident in saying that will be the world's second conference <laughs> um, in, in that area. Uh, and again, yeah, going through, uh, you know, it's a bit of a paradigm shift. What what does it all mean? Uh, but yeah, yeah, from yeah, from Vegas to, to London in, in two weeks, um, two, two conferences on, on that topic. So, so yeah, great one just finished. Looking forward to next week's. Uh, so yeah, it's keeping me busy for sure. Certainly has, certainly has. Well, hopefully you'll you'll be um grounded in London time for the for the uh the transport museum event. So fantastic. All right. Well, shall we? Let's get into the stories. So I said it was nine minutes ago. It's probably twelve minutes ago now that this that we saw this news about um Cisco um buying Splunk. So this is just looking it up on, on Reuters now. It's the biggest deal that Cisco have done. Um, they bought Splunk for $28 billion. Um, and it's basically to beef up their security and artificial intelligence, the company said. So any thoughts on this, guys? I mean, you know, it's not, not surprising that AI is involved. Um, I'm pretty sure Cisco tried to buy them a couple of years ago for a, a, a mere 20 billion i think um so they've obviously had their eye on them for a while uh, but but yeah i mean i i know more about cisco than i do about splunk um but it, it makes a lot of sense to me and I, I think you know for all our itam listeners you know understanding what this means for for itam going talking to security people it's a great opportunity to to build some bridges um uh, and yeah you know work out how it fits in with your organization um but i know aj you you know more about the splunk side of things for sure don't you yeah we, we were a splunk user at my last uh corporate role um it's one of these things that kind of comes in at enterprise scale uh lands and expands um very much so um it's i mean there's a lot of security tools out there, but it's as close as you get to, I think, a ubiquitous security tool. Um, it's quite an open platform, a lot of APIs, a lot of integrations. It will manage everything from on-prem to private clouds to public clouds to third-party tools to your own custom applications, all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a big company with a slightly silly name, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, they sponsor, I think, McLaren F1, from what I remember. Um, so they've obviously got a few dollars kicking around. Um, but from an ITAM perspective, um, they were also part of the reference design that NIST uh, in the States, the standards body in the States, came up with for an ITAM system. So uh, 
back in 2018, I think it was, we um we wrote about that. There'll be probably a link to that somewhere um in the podcast uh, notes. But um yeah, so so NIST have got a reference design for security teams really to to sort of integrate ITAM with security. So um there's so much overlap between the two domains. And it's you know, it's interesting that Splunk is there. It's effectively sitting there as this kind of giant data repository. So much like we pay attention to trustworthy data, so does Splunk. Um, it's all about getting all this stuff in and making sense of it. Um, of course, nowadays it's all powered by AI. Um, and the aim is to kind of deliver, deliver this kind of security aspect and the observability aspect, which of course, obviously, we do as well. You know, we, we're all about knowing what's in our estate. So, um, a lot of overlap. Um, perfect fit for Cisco, I would say, um, in terms of what they do um, with things like sort of software-defined network architecture. Um, so, yeah, very interesting to see. Excellent. All right, let's move on. So, the next story is um, ITAM is now considered an SP credit ratings. So this was quite an interesting one. Obviously, global credit rating agencies aren't always so um, so transparent with what go, what what they take into consideration when putting a rating together, but S&P came out and just said it. So um, in a report that they published called Cyber Risk Insights, IT Asset Management Essential to Cybersecurity, they pretty much just said it. You know, ITAM is now critical to achieving a good credit rating. So um, they've warned that organizations that pay inadequate attention to ITAM as a factor within their cyber risk management um, could have their credit worthiness impacted. So, you know, we looked at this as whether this is a bit of a golden ticket for ITAM for those that wanted to show the the value of ITAM to the, the broader business. You can't can't say fairer than this. So, um, AJ, let's start with you first. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? It really is exactly that, a golden ticket, because the people who care about credit ratings are your CFO primarily and your board. So suddenly having it called out just at that sort of level. Now, this is, this is going above the CIO. If you're getting blockers with your CIO, um, then you've got, you've got these new senior stakeholders who will be aware of this and understand it. Uh, credit rating is hugely important. I mean, it affects the bottom line of any organization because it affects how cheaply you can buy debt to fund growth or whatever um so it's really it's very important and they're absolutely right to 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 credit it i mean we've been talking about um equifax probably since the day after it happened uh the infamous equifax breach um but here, here's an example that's cost equifax over two billion dollars right not million two billion dollars well, clearly that affects their credit worthiness because that $2 billion has come straight off the bottom line over the last five, six years that they've been mitigating it. Still, mitigation is still ongoing for that. It's a huge hole in their finances. And so quite rightly, a credit rating agency would be interested in that. And mm. and at least part of that, that problem arose from a lack of observability and a lack of awareness of fair estate. There's a certain kind of circular irony to that, that Equifax being a consumer credit rating agency <laughs> yes. that judge consumers on their credit. Indeed, yeah. And then they would they would have an S&P report as based on their corporate credit rating. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. um, circular issue there. Rich, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was great timing for that report because one of my other trips was uh, I was speaking at uh, USU World North America and, and my session was entitled ITAM Risk is Business Risk. And I had all my slides ready and then like two or three days before this report came out and I was like, right, let's rewrite that presentation. Um, yeah. But it, it fit in perfectly well, you know, just as AJ was saying, if senior stakeholders have struggled to understand the importance of ITAM, what you know, what does ITAM do for me, etc. This puts it on a page in black and white in language that they understand. And it's a fantastic opportunity to say, look, we don't need to go into the, you know, the ins and outs of, of what I'm doing in the world of ITAM. But if you don't support me with headcount, with budget, with executive buy-in, etc., you know, we can't do good ITAM say means that we can't do good security and if we can't do good security we don't have a good credit rating and you know it sort of makes it clear that itam is the the foundation of uh, of so many parts of the business so uh, yeah you know hats off to to smp for for putting this out there because it it really does validate you know probably 85 plus percent of it asset management professionals I say have been saying this for years, but now there's some proof that they can put in front of uh, you know board members. So I think it's it's fantastic, and um, you know I will be bringing it up and mentioning it uh, every possible moment because I, I think it, it really could help drive through you know the, the next round of people who suddenly get ITAM at a business level. Exactly. And I suppose it's worth flagging that there are other corporate credit rating agencies out there. I forget the names escape me right now. Moody's. But Moody's, yes, that's it. And so they may not have said this publicly yet, but you could you could imagine that, that they would be also taking it into consideration. Um, but at the end of the day, they each one will rate you. So you might as well get your house in order for S&P alone. So, um, yes, yeah, good news all around. Okay, well let's um let's move on to the some of the SaaS management stories. There, there there are two, so we'll kind of tackle them probably together. They're slightly different, but they're within the same kind of kind of area really. So it's um firstly we've got SAP buying the enterprise architecture firm Lean IX, and then also SaaS management platform Josis raising ninety three million. So obviously one's an acquisition, one's fundraising, both in SaaS management. Um, I'll briefly go through it. So S so SAP, um announced its intention to buy Lean IX from private investors. Um, the terms of the deal weren't disclosed, but VentureBeat suggested it was about in the $1 billion mark, so not a small one. Um, SAP, in their announcement around it, were very keen to stress AI, the AI credentials of this, so that's come up again. Um, in their quote, they said, um, the planned acquisition helps SAP expand its business transformation portfolio, giving customers access to the full suite of tools required for continuous business transformation and facilitating AI-enabled process optimization. Um, then on the SaaS management side with Josis, so they raised 93 million in Series B funding. Um, and it was, it was only last month we reported about Zluri raising 20 million in their series B. And then last year, Tori raised 50 million. So all the SaaS management 
um, startups, maybe a bit beyond startup now, they're um, they're raising a lot of money. Um, I mean, Josis was only founded last year, February last year, um, by uh, yeah, Yasukane Matsumoto, who is also the founder of Raxall Inc. Um, it's a platform for essentially managing SaaS usage, but it also includes hardware device management. So they're kind of leaning into that as well. Um, describing themselves as the one-stop IT operations platform for new age businesses. I like that, new age. Um, so, um, AJ, what do you think? Is this, I mean, between these two stories, it's, you know, it's a lot of development in the, in the SaaS management space. Is this demonstrating the growing maturity of that space and um, customer interest in managing their, their SaaS spend? I, I think it is. There's definitely another funding round going on in this space because I've had a few inquiries from vcs and so on saying hey what do you think about this um so people are interested in it, in, in it again i think we've gone through a couple of waves of um investment in SaaS, uh sort of 2018 2019 uh and then early 2020s due to covid and and, and it went quiet a little bit last year and it's back again um I mean, just just to kind of join the dots on why we're talking about um, SAP acquiring um, um, acquiring Lean uh, yeah. uh, Lean uh, themselves acquired CleanShelf, who were an early innovator um, in the SaaS management world, and that's all about getting insight into applications. I have to say, I don't entirely understand why SAP are in, have acquired LeanIX. It doesn't feel like it's particularly close fit to them um but then they, they, they've they've done this in the past i mean they, they've um they had qualtrics for a while which they're they're busy spinning off so maybe, maybe that's why but um i mean moving on to the other one i am desperate to call Josis jossies um only because there's a, a really fairly obscure to anyone not in the uk of a certain age um uh kids tv series called jossies giants about a football team in newcastle um so when I see Josephs, I think Jossies, and I, I hear Geordie accents everywhere. Um, but anyway, I think the um, the key is here that they're doing something a little bit different, which is this: they're really pushing the hardware management side of things. So obviously, if you are a new generation company, well, what, what does that mean? That means that you're you don't have a data center; you're consuming stuff from the cloud. You maybe don't even have an office anymore. Um, but you've still got to, you've still got to manage the hardware that you're consuming all these SaaS applications on. So having that part of the puzzle puzzle sort of upfront and saying because one thing they do is end to end procurement of of hardware devices. So they're handling that I, to a certain extent. They're handling that sort of break fix process as well. It would seem um, and doing all that config work as well. So uh, you're onboarding a new user. You need to give them thirty SaaS applications. Well, that's what Josephs does. It, it, it's 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 helping with that as well. So it's it's a lot more operational than some of the other SaaS management tools. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think um, no, there's obviously money around. Ninety three ninety three ninety three million dollars is is no um, short change, is it? Really, it's a it's a. I think that's probably the single biggest funding amount I've seen for any SaaS management platform since twenty eighteen. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for all of the um, downturn and, and concerns about the economy, clearly there is money available out there. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, they're, 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 a, they're a Japanese startup as well, which is interesting. We don't hear too many Japanese startups. Um, but, but SaaS is a very much a global 
um, SaaS management is very much a global industry. We have plenty in the US, in Europe, uh, in, in Israel, uh, in India, and, and now in Japan. Interesting. Yeah. And Rich, what do you think? Like obviously Joseph's have, have leaned in quite heavily on the on the hardware side as a as a kind of value add. Is that where these companies are going, do you think, of kind of building beyond I mean, the SaaS? You know, I mean ham hardware asset management has been hugely on the rise since COVID. Um, you know, there's more hardware in, in more places coupled with more security concerns so i think it makes sense i guess you know if you can if you can find and manage saas applications on all these disparate devices why not extend that to the devices themselves um so it's, it's interesting I, I'm, I'm not aware of anyone else doing that so so you know maybe that's you know what set them apart in terms of getting so much funding um be, be very interesting to see what happens and you know and as aj said it, it's cool to see uh you know a, a tech startup coming out of somewhere that isn't the usual suspects um so yeah looking forward to seeing more from them um certainly um and and on the on the lean ix side so I know, you know based on when when the acquisition happened and I did a bit of research, Lean IX are, are, are pretty heavily involved in helping people migrate to uh, SAP S4 HANA um, uh, and translating kind of old on-prem enterprise architecture into new cloud architecture. So they they've got a you know a section of their website dedicated to SAP migrations. So I think SAP have, have probably seen that and gone, uh, do you know what? You know they're doing something really good. It would be very helpful if we could do that ourselves, and uh, swooped in for the acquisition. So it'd be be interesting to see what happens to you know the bit that was clean shelf. Does it stay within SAP? Or do they maybe look to to spin it back out on its own? You know, or you know, or, or do SAP start to become a a SaaS management player, much like IBM are in the the public cloud space? It'd be interesting to see what happens there. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 sorry, sorry, no, go on, sorry, sorry. AJ. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right that, that SAP are pretty much betting the farm on getting people migrated to S4HANA. They have all these programs like Rise uh, to, to help, you know, customers migrate. And yeah, if there's if there's tooling there which can help, then this may just simply be a tooling acquisition to 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 go off and analyze this huge enterprise estate um, and get them moved over to SAP products from either old SAP or another provider. Um, yeah. Interesting. All right, let's move on. Um, it's two two stories to go. The, the next one is about um, Birmingham City Council and did their disastrous Oracle migration contribute to their recent bankruptcy? So um, for those not familiar with this, um, Birmingham City, City Council used to boast that they are the largest public, uh, local authority in Europe. So it gives you a sense of what sort of budgets they're handling. Um, and on Tuesday, 5th of September, 2023, they effectively declared the equivalent of bankruptcy after being hit with a £760 million bill to settle claims 
in a decade long or more than decade long equal pay dispute. Um, this pay dispute has been going on so long that they've already paid out over 1.1 billion pounds towards it. So they're looking at about 1.9 billion um, black hole just to settle this this um, this pay dispute. We won't go into the details of that because that's probably not really relevant for this bit. But this resulted in with that most recent bill that resulted in them issuing a section 114 notice, which basically says that all new spending, except with the exception of protecting vulnerable people and statutory services, just have to stop immediately, which is kind of public sector's equivalent of bankruptcy. So um, obviously this isn't the only financial blunder that they've been that's been kind of in the headlines for the council. It's only in May this year. Um, they were blaming Oracle for their disastrous new ERP system um, not working very well and, and costing way over budget. So the original budget for the Oracle system was £19 million. Um, it's now estimated to cost in the region of 100 million so a five-fold more than five-fold increase in the cost um they did is issue a bit of a report when this came out um at the, back in may and where once they kind of delved into it that the main issue seemed to be not with the system itself but the fact that they'd the council kept making changes to this to the spec of the system which effectively took it from an off-the-shelf to a bespoke system um, which ultimately led to the budget spiraling out of control. Um, and I think even to this day, they run their their old SAP system in parallel with the Oracle system because it's not fully up operational yet. So um, that's kind of the background there. So, so, you know, it's an example of significant mismanagement, perhaps. Um, Rich, you know, um, Oracle, Oracle is often not on many IT asset managers Christmas card list, I think. <laughs> um, you know, do they, um, could they get the blame for this or, you know, contributing to the problem that, are, that, that Birmingham City Council is facing? Or is this just a case of probably more bad management on the council side? I mean, I think to be fair, you can't really blame Oracle. You know, when there's almost a couple of billion um being paid out elsewhere then you know the the size of the oracle deal pales into insignificance really um and and yeah you know failed erp implementations are unfortunately quite common you know sometimes it's oracle sometimes it's sap and i think very often and it seems to be the case here with birmingham that it's a combination of people not specking it up properly at the start and you know just going oh yeah we just need it to do a b and c it'll be fine and then once you get into it then you realize you know that there's more to it and as you go through the process you know widening the scope changing the parameters and um, and yeah anything that you customize it makes it more expensive to, to deploy, more expensive to manage and support. And it's something you see it with ServiceNow as well. You know, so many organizations that customized every little bit and are now trying to move to actually let's start fresh and keep it as out of the box as we can. And 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 I think I think that's what's happened here that Birmingham you know, maybe it was too many cooks, um, but I, I think 
to be to be charitable, I, I don't think Oracle can really um take too much of the blame for this one. AJ, any thoughts? Maybe it's a case of not consulting the users in in this de deployment, you know. Someone higher up said, Oh, Oracle looks good, let's buy that and without um, actually working it through. I I think it's I I think it's just the fact that ERP systems are complex and they're a massive organization. It's public sector as well, which which has has an impact. Um, and these things happen. I mean, if you Google ERP implementation failure, there's like literally legendary things. <laughs> uh, you know, dozens and dozens of things where they've all gone wrong. I, I, you almost have to wonder whether there anyone actually has a positive ERP implementation. Um, you know, th these things take years and years with sort of outcomes which you're not necessarily clear on on the start. And certainly there's plenty of um, cases in the US where um, councils are not happy with Oracle or with NetSuite or with Cerna over implementations. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of par for the course, I think, really. There you go. There you go. Oracle gets a pass on this one. Yeah. I hate to right. get it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, last story um, of of this one. So uh, Tori um, has announced new AI and developer capabilities. So we're talking SaaS management again. So um, we've described them as SaaS management veteran. Tori has announced new AI and developer ca capabilities. Um, so we've been following them since 2018. Always been impressed with their capabilities. Um, they were as they were we've described them as a veteran because they were one of the first to kind of to tackle the risks of SaaS management. So sorry, this kind of security risks and privacy risks. Um and what's fun about this one is they've they've introduced the Tori AI assistant, aka Ask Tori. Um and the assistant can answer questions about users, license counts, contract details, application statuses, and more. And they 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 shared quite a nice um image with the press release which shows someone asking just straightforward how much are we paying for zoom and who is the app owner and tori assistant replies you're paying fifteen thousand dollars a year for zoom and tony stark is the app owner it's always tony stark isn't it interesting that mm. um so yeah fascinating so what do you guys think um and then i do have a fun question to to finish but any thoughts on on this, you know, we've been talking about AI a little bit. Is this where they're going? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Tori have always taken a sort of an engineering-led approach to SaaS management. I, I remember calling them out a few years ago saying, you've got a great product, but you're not necessarily telling anyone about it. Um, and, um, you know, that that's that's probably, that's changed now, definitely. Um, and... The, I mean, the changes are, are, are really interesting. They're making it much more of an open platform so you can develop um, add-ons and connectors and and so on. They're going to start using AI for that as well, I believe, where you, you can basically tell an, tell an AI to do a like a build an, on, build an onboarding workflow for a new user coming into, into the organization, for example, stuff like that. Um, so I mean, AI is the hot topic of the year. Um, but that, it does strike me as being really useful, having that conversational approach to your ITAM data, your, your SaaS management data has to be a good thing. You know, if you get kind of, well, I guess we're not all, all sat in offices anymore, but if you, the, the, the classic sort of shoulder surf kind of 
oh, can you tell me about this question that sort of comes in from 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 someone? Um, mm. Being able, rather than having to run a report and think, okay, I'm going to set some criteria and do some filtering and stick it in a pivot table, um, having that conversational approach it potentially frees you up to do higher value tasks, right? And um, um, with the sort of the pace and size of SaaS management, um, it's it's really useful, you know, uh, particularly for larger organisations. Um, so it's good to see. I mean, it's a trend. I'm sure that every other tool vendor and their dog will be along with AI capabilities, if not this year, then next year. Um, what we do in ITAM lends itself really well to to um, to AI. I mean, we're seeing uh, one of the things Tori does is contract ingestion. So actually reading a contract with a machine and understanding the key parts of that contract and then, you know, um, setting up your entitlements and, and restrictions and so on around that software. That would be great. I mean, imagine if you could sort of point, point it at the Microsoft product terms and get every term and every nuance and apply it to your estate. That would be um, save a huge amount of time every month uh, um, in terms of getting grips with, with new license mm. terms or whatever. Okay, well, thinking about, um, I wanted to end on a fun question on this because we've been talking about AI so much. Um, and we talk about saving time. Um, my question is, if you could create an AI that could do anything, like absolutely anything to improve your life, no matter how mundane, or it could be something mundane, something incredible, um, what would you create? I'm going to you, Rich, first. You have to uh, make an AI. Probably <laughs> answer the daft questions that people ask me at the end of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> um no it, it Touché, also, very good <laughs> it, it's a good question um i i don't know i mean in, in sort of professional in the professional world then you know something like you know microsoft core pilot chat gpt uh that can do all the bits and pieces um but I, you know that that's the kind of the, the obvious answer in in non do you know what? i think something that would go and find all the missing 90s hip-hop cds that i haven't got in my collection and then go and find <laughs> them for cheap on the internet and buy them for me that would be um that would be pretty useful um or something similar for for books just goes and finds things that it knows I want and makes them appear uh, at my front door. Um, I think something like that would work for me. So literally purchasing on your behalf without your, without your, it, it could get, it could get expensive, but I see you. I'd have to get Within some parameters. <laughs> you know, I'd have to get something like Tory or, or something or Joseph to, to manage my, my spend, but something that knows what I like in you know very specific niche areas and can go and and find it. I think there's uh, there's some value in that. And if anyone builds one, um I I want at least a 30% stake. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what about you, AJ? What would what would you want an A an AI to do for you? Yeah, I, I I'm with Rich on most of that. I, I think um so anything that could subvert the algorithms from um, Netflix and Disney and, and all the others as to what the hell it's going to recommend to me in my list 
Um, that'd be really great. One that actually really understood what I was interested in rather than the fact that I'd watched a film from a particular genre uh, <laughs> for five minutes and therefore I need to watch every single other thing. Netflix uh, are famed uh, for their algorithm, AJ. Oh, uh, it sucks. Uh, also, also <laughs> something that automatically filters out anything to do with true crime. Um, that would be yeah. good. Um, and uh, finding me obscure stuff in foreign languages uh, would be cool as well because I, I watched um, mm. watched a German film this week um, called Paradise, and I've got a Chilean vampire movie called Augusto Pinochet lined up for tonight on netflix um and it's just kind of i just fa- randomly found it how do you find stuff oh. like that well, i'm um, gonna add that one to my list now i like the sound of that yeah exactly yeah um on a more serious note i think from a professional point of view for me as a someone who creates content um having something that could automatically build nice diagrams for me would be superb because quite often i can draw something out on a piece of paper in terms of a workflow or a process or something but turning that actually into reality is just so fiddly. Um, so very true. No one's made that simple, have they? At least not no the one's made seen. it simple. It's one of those things that, on the face of it, you think it's going to be that must be really simple, and it doesn't seem to be. Um, so yeah, that'd be really helpful. Come up with nice snazzy graphics for things and quadrants and colours and yeah, um, that would be awesome. If it exists. Let us know in the comments. I'll be going delighted to go and buy that. Yeah, same here. And and I think I think you know not. Yeah, I'm I'm throwing my weight behind that now, and something where you can just give it, a, you know, a paragraph of text. So you know you you kind of write down what you're thinking, and it makes a diagram. So you know, like in PowerPoint, you can kind of do it, but you have to get it eighty-seven percent of the way there anyway. Yeah. And, it just does that final little bit, something where you can you can write something down, you know, a paragraph, and it can go, oh yeah, I see what that would look like as a diagram. Um, and again, yeah, if so, if, if it doesn't exist and someone makes it exist because of this podcast, then um, AJ, you need you need to claim some kind of stake in it. You've given yeah. me an idea with the. I mean, I'm very much with you, AJ, on the Netflix recommendations. Actually, that if it could go one step further and actually taking out of my mood at that particular moment before recommending something because yes i might like a certain genre but not tonight you know it's yeah it's very much mood dependent or how much time i've got or how much energy i've got can i am i in the mood for a two-hour slog or am i want something light and you know maybe it could take my heart rate and my stress levels and all those things into consideration to to uh, suggest something that's a very that... very cool point yeah yeah. That's my the, 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 the heebie jeebies about how much data and what kind <laughs> of data that whichever company would have. I think, yeah, it's incredible. Real thing it? about once it starts understanding art rate, mood, etc., that feels like uh, crossing some kind of Rubicon that we uh, we, we maybe can't go back from. Well, you see how, how willingly, how easily I was willing to give that data over <laughs> just to recommend a TV show. I mean, my, my other idea was, was more, was incredibly boringly um, domestic. And it was about sorting out the recycling. I hate it. Yeah. And as the, the chief bin putter outer in our house, it I know that when I'm doing that, I'm not putting the bins out. I'm sorting out all the mess that everyone else has put in the wrong sections. So... Or yeah. 
the wrong yeah. type of packaging or they haven't unpacked that so i've got so i take the regular bin with me because half of it's not recyclable anyway so some it would have to be paired with some kind of robot that can recognize materials and is kept up to date on my council's latest bin policy because <laughs> they like to change those glass and paper used to be best friends now they're not allowed to to be together so yeah, yeah that's a full-time job in itself keeping up with that That'd be a good one. Like, have you ever seen the machine that they use for sorting? Uh, I think it's tomatoes and sorting between the ripe and the unripe ones. Uh, I remember watching a mm. video. It's super fast paced and it's deadly accurate. And it just the red ones go in this way and the green ones go over there. And something like that that could recognize, yeah, different types of plastic and cardboard and. Mm. That's got or, someone's got to be working on that already. I, I bet it. Or better still, they, we don't have to sort anything, and they sort it at the other end with a, a big version of that machine. Yeah, um, it must exist somewhere. Um, but... Yeah, just just to interrupt, the um, weird Chilean vampire movie is actually called El Conde, um, but the lead character is called Augusto Pinochet, and he's apparently a two hundred and fifty year old vampire. Who wants to resign? So I'm. I, if there's ever been a movie pitch that's got me in like two lines, it was that one because um, it's just what, how, when. So yeah, El Conde. Not yeah, I like the sound of that. So yeah. well, that's a, a good way to finish with a with a Netflix recommendation. It might turn out to be rubbish, but uh, hey, <laughs> not recommended yeah, yeah, by AI. Emails. Recommended by AJ. Not AI, AJ this time. Yeah. yeah, if it's no good, don't email us. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I think um yeah, because I, I on that note, I watched that uh, Renfield Renfield, Renfield, the the Nicolas Cage one where he's a, a vampire. Um that's good as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got that added to the list now, AJ. So right. we should do maybe we should do like a item antics listener group watch. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of people around the world to watch it at the same time. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what we can do. I'm very interested to look at the statistics on this podcast at the end to see if see if people stick for the last ten minutes. Well, this might be the best bit of the whole thing. <laughs> we'll soon find out. Very true. Okay, fantastic. Well, on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll finish it here. We'll. Uh, oh, nice one. Thank you very much. Next time.